Hello, live from Mexico. It's my podcast, My Mexican Mistakes. And today is March 22nd of the year 2020, a date that has a lot of twos in it. It's also a date where the entire world is now engulfed in the dreaded coronavirus and the panic of coronavirus and the shortages of coronavirus. I'm here in Mexico, in Marina Vallarta, or near Marina Vallarta. I started this podcast last year, last June, when I moved to Mexico without speaking Spanish, only knowing Spanish from telenovelas, not understanding the metric system, having no idea what to do with the money. But yet I moved here inspired by my love of telenovelas and with a desire to write a telenovela of my own. And I have been writing, and I've been having a great time. Six months in Mexico City, then over to Sayulita on the West Coast to uh, spend some time in a Mexican beach town where I was adopted by a dog that continues to be more popular than I am in Mexico, and I'll get to that in a few minutes. But now I'm in Vallarta in a little section called Via de las Flores, where all the streets are named after flowers. And I'm near the marina and about a 10 minute cab ride from the actual Malecon, the you know downtown area, um, which is beautiful. But I'm like a 10 minute walk to the marina, which is also lovely. I hadn't noticed a lot of changes here in Mexico um, when the coronavirus hit even though it hit pretty bad in the United States and obviously continues to hit, things here kind of seemed very normal as they always were. In fact, just last Saturday, I went to a pharmacy because I wanted another uh, small bottle of hand sanitizer for my purse, and I was able to get it with no problem. I should have bought more than one mini bottle of hand sanitizer because 72 hours later, hand sanitizer was impossible to find anywhere. But if you're wondering, and you may not be, but if you're wondering, Shyla, who's my dog, Shyla and I have decided to ride out the coronavirus here in Mexico, specifically here in Vallarta. We're doing this for a few reasons. Number one, I saw those photos of what was going on at O'Hare Airport when that imbecile in the White House uh, said he was closing the borders. That Those piles and piles and piles of people, that looked like an incubator for anything, not just coronavirus, um, anything anybody was carrying. People were shoulder to shoulder for seven or eight hours. No way. No way was I doing that. Coming back to the States actually seemed riskier than staying here in Vallarta where things are quiet and I don't see that many people around um, because I'm not downtown. Number two, another reason why we're staying put is that at the Airbnb we're staying at, it's a very tiny house with a big outdoor seating area and the people that own the property, they live in the front house, like the big house. So when you come onto the property, you go into a big locked door 
that's part of a gigantic wall. So you can't see what's on the other side of the wall, which was just like the setup I had in San Angel. You just see a big wall. Nobody has any idea what's on the other side of these magic doors that are built into these walls. And then you open up the magic door and there's a beautiful piece of property and it's like a hacienda that the owners of the property live on. And you walk alongside of that house or along the side of that house and you get to a garden and then you get to my teeny tiny house with the big seating area. So I'm staying and the owners of the Airbnb could not be nicer. And I can uh, buy my meals here um, because you know they cook every day and if I want, I can buy breakfast every day and dinner most days. Um, so there's plenty to eat there and the food is excellent and the owners are so nice that I felt like if I were to get sick with anything, including the coronavirus, I would be living with people who would actually help me. Another reason we're staying here is there's literally a big hospital at the end of the street. Like if you walk down the block to the corner, there's the hospital. And since the hospital has valet parking, I take that as a good sign, that it's a good hospital. Anything can happen. Maybe this is the wrong move, but I do not think the right move right now is to come into O'Hare Airport with thousands of people and catch everything that they have. Because um, it, it just looks like one big test tube to me, or Petri dish. And finally, another reason we're going to stay here is this. You may not be able to get hand sanitizer in Mexico. Maybe we're going to have the same toilet paper uh, shortages that everyone else has, and I would expect that we would. But you can go to any pharmacy, apparently, in Puerto Vallarta, and buy all the things you might like to have around in case there's a global pandemic knocking at your door. And by that, I mean Valium, Ativan, Ambien, whatever it is you might want, it's available here without a prescription. Now, I'm not saying that the antidote to coronavirus is to become a narcotics addict. I would never suggest that. But I would suggest that you know, they might take some of the rough edges out a bit um, if you're struggling. And so, you know, in a country where you can't get hand sanitizer, but you can get as much Valium as you need, I don't see a reason to leave. Um, and so we're staying. And maybe this will be the biggest mistake of my life. Time will tell. But I'm hopeful that we, Shyla and I, can get past the dreaded coronavirus and that if I get it, it won't kill me. Um, but if I get it, I'll have plenty of uh, different things around to help ease the pain and ease the cough. So that's my plan. Um, and it may not be much of a life plan, but right now it's all I've got here. So let me tell you a little bit more about where I live. As I said, I live in a section of Vallarta called Via de las Flores, and it's beautiful. Um, all the streets are named after flowers, and it looks like what you might expect in a small uh, town in Mexico. 
Um, the uh, houses are small. There's little tiendas and stores from black to black, a church nearby. Um, most of the streets uh, are gravel or stone. So it is dusty. That's the one thing I'm not crazy about. It's dusty and of course it's hot, but that's, you know, everywhere in Vallarta. But um, there's little family-owned restaurants and lots of people uh, walking around and kids playing ball in the streets. And there's a field nearby where a group of young men play soccer, seems like all day long. Uh, at the corner, there's four guys day and night smoking weed. I don't know how they get anything done, and I'm guessing they don't. But when I go out to take Shiloh for a walk in the early morning, they're already up and out and sitting on their front porch uh, smoking marijuana. And when I come in after taking her for a walk at the end of uh, the day, around 4 or 5 o'clock, they're pretty much still right there, as you might expect. The thing is this. You know, I know marijuana is legal now. I don't care. It's fine. Let everybody use it if that's what they want to do. But here's my point. I have to wake up early to walk the dog before it gets too hot. If I didn't, I wouldn't wake up early just to smoke marijuana and hang out on the porch. Why not sleep a little later? It's not a job. I want to tell them smoking weed is not a job. You don't have to punch in and start smoking at like 6.30 in the morning because it's just weed. You could pretty much smoke it whenever you want. Um, so those are my neighbors, very nice guys. Uh, they get a big kick out of Shiloh because she doesn't listen to me and appears to be taking me for a walk at all times versus me taking her. And uh, when they see me coming, they go, Shiloh, no, Shiloh, no. And that's because they always hear me say, Shyla, no, Shyla, no. I'm kind of whispering that because I don't want her to hear that now because she's not doing anything wrong now. And it would make her even more confused than she already is. And here's why she's so confused. I pretty much speak to her in English because um, my Spanish is really bad. Oh, and by the way, um, here's another reason why it's great to stay in Mexico during the coronavirus crisis. As you probably have experienced yourself, the news can be overwhelming. It's nonstop. The same news just echoes back all day long because not a lot changes right now, except it just gets bad. It just gets worse. Uh, numbers of people sick go up. Numbers of people dead go up. Uh, ridiculous and statements and lies from the president go up. And so the news gets tiring. But if you don't understand the language, the news doesn't really bother you. So I don't pay much attention to the news um, here, mainly because I can't understand it. So it doesn't bug me. But getting back to my poor dog, uh, so this is why she's so confused. I speak to her in English most of the time. Um, once in a while, I give her a por favor because she won't listen to me and I'm hoping maybe the pleading in Spanish will, you know, help. So I'll give her a super dramatic, por favor, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. Uh, but when people meet her on the street uh, or where she goes for the dog, not exactly training at this point, training might be too strong of a word, but it's like a daycare, uh, day camp 
for dogs, they all speak to her in Spanish. So I'm hoping at the end of this, she comes out bilingual. But right now, I think she's just confused. Um, but anyway, so I'm not hard on her, um, which is an understatement. Because as soon as I finish this podcast, we're going to walk over to the rotisserie chicken place where you can get the most delicious meal of a roast chicken, roasted peppers, roasted mini potatoes, uh, onions, tomatoes, macaroni salad. Uh, What else? It's like a rotisserie chicken with every single thing you could imagine you'd ever want with that rotisserie chicken, including, of course, rice and beans um, and tortillas. All like for under $10, I think. I'm never quite sure about the money. Um, And on Sundays, uh, that's what she gets. And I get some of it too. But um, anyway, so she is a little spoiled. But I do feel that since she is suffering through a bilingual day, and I'm not bilingual, um, I, uh, you know, I, I feel like she deserves it. So here I am in this little enclave. Um, of uh, you can see there's kind of some gentrification going on because it's, it's mostly filled with small houses and then all of a sudden there's an empty piece of property where they have built a gigantic home with windows the size of like bigger than my house um, floor-to-ceiling windows and very dramatic uh, doors and beautiful landscape architecture and then you just see a little house right next to it so there's some gentrification going on there's one of those um, bodybuilding places uh, that's right up the street so a Starbucks won't be too far behind but there's and I think I talked about this on the last podcast we are separated from the other side of the town by this gigantic four-way highway that is a different traffic control for every lane of traffic. And it's not a four-lane highway. It's like a 16-lane highway with four different medians separating the sections of traffic. And every one of those has a different traffic light. So I'm not kidding when I say the hardest part of my day is crossing that street. Because I pretty much have to cross that street to get anywhere, like the marina or uh, the area around the American school to take uh, the dog for a walk. But it's like you, it's like crossing four streets at one time. It is very reminiscent of Mexico City. I know I talked about it on the last podcast, but here's why I'm bringing it up again. Because what I forgot to tell you last time was this. When you get to the other side of the gigantic street called like Gustavo Medina or something, like no street has a simple name. Every street is named after famous people that, of course, I had never heard of um, for the most part. And they're long names. Um, It's like if every street was named, uh, you know, Karen Ann Kerbis, and then the next street was like one of my best friends with her middle name. And because everybody has at least four names here in their name, Um, because, oh, I'd have to add my mother's maiden name. So let's say that you had to remember an address on a street called Karen Ann Louise Kerbis. You would never remember that. I wouldn't even remember it, and it's my own name. I'd be like, wait, is it Kerbis Louise or Louise Kerbis? So that's how every street here is. Like, nothing is simple. Um, Everything is ornate. 
and special and fancy. And so that street that has like 16 lanes and four medians and four, no, six different traffic controls because there's also special lanes uh, for left-hand turn lanes just to make it even harder. Um, that street, which is called Gustavo Medina, Medina Ascension or Ascension Gustavo Medina, whatever it is, it's a long name. But when you get to the other side of that street where, it, like I said last time, it looks like you're in Tampa or uh, southwest Miami, like Palmetto, it, you know, gigantic houses on a golf course. Streets are paved um, with bricks. Uh, that's where the American school is, like the very fancy side of Gustavo Medino, Medina Ascension. Uh, it's filled with a lot of expats that are um, working for Mexican companies, I guess, or retired people, mainly Canadians and a lot of Americans. And then I met some people from Holland. And as my friend Kevin Bohr says about the Dutch, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. That makes no sense, but he was of Dutch descent, and there aren't that many people in Chicago of Dutch descent, so that was his big thing to say. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. Great detective, by the way. Um, and I love that saying. And I met a guy here from Holland, and I told him that saying, and I don't think he got it. But anyway, be that as it may, when you're on the other side of the big street, or I should say when I'm on the other side of the big street and I'm walking, I'm constantly encountering strangers. Now, these strangers might be Mexican, they might be American, they might be Canadian, they might be Dutch, they could be anything. But you could pretty much tell, like, who's an American or Canadian. You just can, believe me. And But yet, we all say buenos dias to each other or buenos tardes because we're not sure who's Mexican and who's not, and everybody wants to be polite. So what you end up is with a bunch of Americans and Canadians saying buenos dias to each other. And it gets to be ridiculous sometimes. Like if I see this couple and they're out for their morning walk, and I can tell she's not Mexican because she's using um, those uh, ski poles to walk on the street, which is something a Mexican person would never do. Uh, you know, I can tell she's either American or Canadian. But we all say buenos dias to each other or buenos tardes, depending on the time of day, um, because I think we're all afraid of being rude, which is not a bad thing. But it's just very funny when you find yourself speaking in Spanish um, to people who are speaking Spanish back to you, but yet all of you are either American or Canadian. Um, so that happens all the time. And sometimes I'm just too tired to engage in it, and I just go, hi. And then they say hi. And it's like the jig is up. Like, you know, but it's just, it's very tiring to for me to try to speak in Spanish to people who I know are Americans or Canadians. Now, speaking of the Canadians, let me tell you about them. There's a lot of them around here. Um, and I don't have anything against Canadians. It's just funny um, because there's so many of them. And it was just like when I was in Sayulita, I never learned Spanish. My Spanish never got better. All I learned was how to speak English in a Canadian accent. And it's no different here. It's a little different here. Not as much. But anyway, 
So there's a big group of them that I see every morning at the little coffee place near me called Cafecito. I take the dog for a walk and on the way back, I stop and get myself uh, a coffee and then we continue home where I give her her breakfast, which always consists of chicken mixed with some dog food because I've spoiled her so much. So yes, she gets the rotisserie chicken on Sunday, very special day, but I also boil chicken for her um, a couple times a week and mix that with her dog food. So that was another big mistake I made because, you know, when I met her, she was eating out of the garbage. So anything would have been a step up. But no, I insisted on, oh, let me make her chicken. And now I have to make her chicken. So anyway, when I stop at the coffee place, it's an excellent place, by the way, um, the Starbucks, it would be like another 10 minutes away in the marina, and there's no need to go there when I have cafecito so close. And after the very long walk, I'm very grateful that I'd have to go any further, believe me, because now it's starting to get really hot. So anyway, there's like, you know, uh, three or four outdoor tables, and usually by the time uh, we get to the coffee place, those tables are filled with a big group of people that I learned were from Canada. Very nice. Um, they push the tables together. They all sit around and talk every morning. No different than what you would see with like retired people uh, at a Starbucks uh, in Chicago. Anyway, I guess Thursday was the first day I noticed there were no Canadians at Cafecito. None. Not a one. It was like the mystery of the missing Canadians. The mystery deepened on Friday because I thought maybe there was some big Canadian meeting going on somewhere on Thursday and just, you know, they skipped a day at Cafecito. But then on Friday, the mystery deepened. No Canadians Friday. On Saturday, I had to ask one of the women that work at Cafecito, Donde están los Canadians? Which I hope meant, where are the Canadians? And she started laughing and said, she has not seen the Canadians since Wednesday. The Canadians have disappeared. Clearly, it has something to do with coronavirus. Either they're staying in and not even getting coffees to go, or they have just all fled back to Canada. I don't know. Because something, if you may notice in the news, have we heard much about the coronavirus in Canada? I don't know. Um, so did they all go back to Canada? Or are they staying home and making coffee? Either scenario is possible. But at this point, I'm just calling it the mystery of the missing Canadians because I would like to make the situation more dramatic than it already is, which actually seems kind of unnecessary. Um, so I have decided that with the difference between my side of Gustavo Ascension Medina um, and the difference uh, between the difference of my side in Villa de las Flores and the other side, which I guess is technically the marina, um, I'm saying that I live on the border um, because that is like a border. Um, and I like my side better because there's nothing wrong with the other side, but you wouldn't know you were in Mexico. You could be anywhere that it was warm and sunny with a golf course and big houses. And by the way, there's another mystery on that block. And if I mentioned it last time, please forgive me. But, and I mean the block 
that is that runs from Gustavo Medina all along the golf course all the way to one to something called the Bayview Grand which is the biggest condominium complex I have ever seen it's like 10 gigantic high-rises with at least 4,000 condominiums in each building. You have never seen a setup like this, although I have never seen as many condominiums in my life as I have in Puerto Vallarta. Everywhere I go, um, especially on the way downtown, there's just gigantic condominium complexes, and they all have malls attached to them, and some of them have casinos attached to them, which I feel like might be kind of close to my idea of putting a nursing home in a casino or a casino in a nursing home and calling it live till you die. Because I still think that's a great idea because senior citizens love casinos. So why not just build a casino in, a, you know, an assisted living center? But I feel like they're on the verge of that here with some casinos attached to condominium complexes because so many retired people live here. Um, so maybe they are moving closer to that direction, which I think is a very advanced state. Anyway, when we cross Gustavo Asensio Medina and walk down Albatros, all down along the golf course where there are crocodiles in the water, I'd like to point out, um, we hit Bayview Grand, the world's biggest condominium complex, until you get to the next condominium complex, which is owned by Marriott. I, this is land of the condominiums. I used to think Miami was. Miami has nothing on Vallarta, nothing, in terms of condominiums and some other things. But anyway, so I think that's where all the Canadians live, and uh, they might be gone. So it's weird when you go to the other side of the border, um, it's a, it's quieter now, not so many people around, not so many people in the grocery store. It's still open, and it seems like they have everything, you know, you could ask for, except hand sanitizer. Um, but all the paper goods, toilet paper, everything seems to be in order. Now, I could go there tomorrow, and it could be exactly the way it is in the States, because I feel like we're about two weeks behind you guys. Um, but... At least last time I checked, they did have those supplies. And I'm not going to overstock on that stuff. And maybe it'll be another big Mexican mistake, but I feel like I have enough for a while. And I don't want to be that person that just buys like 10,000 rolls of toilet paper. It just seems weird and it feels unnecessary. Um, and also it might be depriving somebody who really needs it, which would be an awful thing to do. So... Now, supposedly, as of right now, well, the uh, Puerto Vallarta is on like a five-day lockdown. I don't know how effective a five-day lockdown is. I don't know if a 50-day lockdown is effective. But it's the only thing I guess we have to try since there's no medicine for it and not enough tests or no tests. And um, so I guess if people seem to think that the best thing to do is for people to stay in, to diminish the risk of spreading the disease, I'm all for it. Um, and if it has to be done, it has to be done. 
I was told today when I got back to the Airbnb that there was an order in place for people to stay in except for like essential trips to, you know, supermarket, drugstore, gas station. Uh, but, I, you know, I didn't hear that because I um, don't speak Spanish. Uh, well, I do, but not well enough to understand a lockdown order. Plus, I had to take the dog for a walk. Plus, I hardly saw anybody during the walk. Plus, the coffee place was closed because they're always closed on Sunday. So we'll see what the next um, five days bring. The casinos have been closed. Most of the bars and restaurants are closed for, you know, sit-down, uh, dine, in-house in dining. Um, things are all available for delivery. And, uh, I, you know, I think closing the casinos is the first thing anybody should do anywhere because they seem like incubators to me, too. Uh, if that's the right word, petri dishes, incubators. So the casinos are closed. Now, here's a strange thing. There was a cruise ship, because there's like a ton of cruises that normally come to Puerto Vallarta. And I have been staying out of the places where the people uh, go when they get off the cruise ship, because that just seemed unpleasant for a lot of reasons. But anyway, um, there has been one ship in docked in the bay, a gigantic cruise ship from Rotterdam called the Holland Princess or something. And it was, it's been there for like six days. I mean, there haven't been any passengers on it. I don't know where the people went, but um, apparently they got off the ship a while ago, and now it's just sitting there, and it's huge. A cab driver told me that no, this is what he told me two days ago. No cruise ships will be allowed to dock um, until further notice. And I understood that's what he said because he said it in English. Uh, so I didn't get that wrong. But then... Two days later, another cruise ship showed up in the port. So it seems to me that orders are being given, but it also seems to me that basically no one is following the orders. So I'm not sure what's going to happen next. This is an awfully big adventure with, of course, the emphasis on the word awfully because it's a terrible disease that is making people very sick and killing people, and there is no cure for it. Um, the best advice I can give, and I'm not a doctor, nor have I played one on TV, but I think the best advice we all can follow is do the opposite of everything that imbecile of a president says. Whatever he says, do the opposite. It worked for George Costanza with miraculous effects in Seinfeld, and I think it could work for us too. I think we should listen to Dr. Fauci and ignore or do the opposite of everything Trump says. I hope everybody stays safe, stays well, and stays healthy. Um, and uh, I will, hopefully, you will hear from me in two weeks. But until then, we'll be riding it out right here in Puerto Vallarta. Good luck to everybody.